Hey guys, I just wanted to sneak in here real quick and remind you that Brooke and I have actually created an incredible online self-guided audio course just for you. It's live right now. Click the link in the description box below to check it out. If you're tired of diets, having anxiety around food, worrying about what to eat, how much to eat, and when to eat, then this course is perfect for you. We take you from where you're at now to a life of food freedom. There's 10 modules filled with audio lectures and journal prompts that will help you dig deep and make lasting change. Okay, thanks for listening. And now back to the show. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, Diet Riders. To the Diet Riot Podcast. I'm Brooke Miller. And I'm Alyssa Miller, both dietitians. Both moms. Both from the Midwest. Both live in Denver. Both still current. Currently quarantined. Currently. <laughs> Currently quarantined. I can't say it. Alyssa's We're still in her closet. Just like give her a break. <laughs> still in my closet, guys. I gotta find a better recording studio. Yeah. Um, do. Yeah. And today we have an awesome guest for you guys. Okay, so we'll kick this on over to Susan, but Susan's from Wisconsin, so I just had to shout out to Wisconsin and UW Stout alumni. Woo woo. Um, I knew you were going to talk about Wisconsin. I know, <laughs> but okay, I just have to say a quick shout out. So Susan and I graduated, I think, six months apart, and we found each other on Instagram organically. <laughs> and I was like, I love her content. This girl's awesome. And then I start following her and reading her stories. And then she posts something in Wisconsin. And I'm like, where are you from? And then she says, <laughs> oh my gosh, did you go to UW Stout? And then we had this connection of, oh my gosh, we could not figure out how we knew each other. Um, and we just li- liked each other's content because we preached the similar, you know, similar messages. And so anyway, that is how we found each other. And we're super excited because as moms, we love to talk about pregnancy, fertility, all of that stuff. But, you know, I'm no expert in fertility or infertility. And so that is why we wanted to interview you. So if you want to kick it over and introduce yourself and how you got into this space and how you became the infertility nutritionist. Yeah. Well, thanks you guys for having me. So, and that was an awesome introduction to how we ran into each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Leave it to Brooke to find someone from her college in Wisconsin, blah, 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 blah. Anyone from my college want to come on here? Maybe maybe from Chicago. (laughs) An open invitation to any alumni of mine. Yep. There you go. So, um, so yeah, intuitive eating. I kind of, you know, I guess I would start with my background is, um, so I've been a dietitian for, I guess, almost seven years and I've pretty much just been working in clinical for the most part, but, um, I discovered intuitive eating probably about two years ago and it kind of crossed paths with, um, the same kind of timeline with when my husband and I had been trying to conceive and we had been kind of in that path of trying for several months at that point when I read it, um, And I was starting to feel like I, at this point I was like researching all the diet stuff, right? Because I was a dietitian and if there's something I could do from a diet standpoint to help naturally, like that's what I was going to do. Um, but it kind of quickly kind of like just 
spiraled into like this feeling of like trying to like eat perfect and like, but knowing that like I was going to mess up and then feel guilty. And then I was, and then I read intuitive eating not too long after that had kind of started. And I kind of realized that I wasn't like listening to my body at all. And I was kind of just treating myself like crap. And for the most part, just so focused on like trying to get pregnant that I wasn't taking care of the place where I was expecting a baby to live for nine months. Mm-hmm. So as oh, I was now, I summed that up very like making it sound like, oh, overnight, that's how I figured this out. But that yeah. in that all, um, it took a long time. I think as I was reading like um, intuitive eating and reading a lot of um, the intuitive eating style books and research and stuff like that, it took a lot of time for me to kind of resonate with that and start applying some of those things into my life. Um, but what I realized as I was applying those things and really working on just feeling better about myself physically was that was like helping me so much more. And, and I also realized that probably ha- how I was acting before wasn't really helping fertility. So, but the thing that I also realized is, is that I did learn things about fertility nutrition on that path. It's just, you don't have to apply it quite so rigidly, which I think is something just in general that we lose track of when it comes to like our diet culture and how diet culture makes us think that you know there's good and bad and right and wrong when it comes to food and how we're supposed to eat and we need to be like eating in the most perfect way when that's not true um so i think it was kind of just crossing paths with that so um when i decided to actually start the infertility nutritionist instagram that was like six months ago. Um, and I really just wanted to kind of like, I wanted to like get my story out there and I wanted to help other women because what I started to realize was how much information is out there and how overwhelming it is. And when you're trying to conceive like month after month and you're not being successful, it's so easy to get caught in this wormhole of Google and trying to figure out what is the next thing that you can try? And so, and I was doing that. So I was seeing all of the things that people without a nutrition degree were seeing. And I was able to, at some point be like, this doesn't make sense to me, but I don't think a lot of people are able to do that. And if something is promising you, like if you eliminate carbs, you'll get pregnant in a month, like, of course you would do that for a month, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, just, the stakes are so high, you it, know, it, right? that, that it, diet exactly. culture comes in and just for us women, not even struggling with infertility, the stakes already are set so high based on diet culture saying no one's going to love you. You're going to be overweight. You're going to die of a heart attack. All these things that are terrifying. And mm-hmm. then to add a layer of infertility on that is just, you know, earth shattering. It can be earth shattering when you say and you follow something for even just a month, but likely probably most of these women are doing it for long periods of time, right? Yeah. It's, it doesn't usually turn into being just a month. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I've like, I've heard from women that have told me that, I mean, that they have kind of spiraled into like disordered eating because of some of this stuff, Mm -hmm. or they've had these blanket recommendations given to them of like cut back on carbs and eliminate added sugars. Just these are common diet culture things that we hear in fertility world. And honestly, even not in in the fertility world, Um, those Mm -hmm. are common recommendations, but they're told that. 
And then, but no one ever asked them any sort of history about their eating. And then it turns out they have a history of an eating disorder. So when someone tells you that and you already have a past history with food, it gets even more complicated. And then I think to add another layer on top of that, like if people aren't eating enough, they aren't, they aren't ovulating. So they aren't getting a period. They're not having these regular cycles that you need in order to get pregnant. Yeah. So do you help work with women too? I don't know. I know some people um, focus on this and I don't know if this is your focus, but do you help women try to have regular periods too? So is that part of what you're, what you do? Um, so if people like that are struggling with infertility, reach out to me and they're, um, and one of their concerns is like, they're just not having regular cycles or that mm-hmm. they've lost their period. That is something that I help them with. Um, definitely there's, like you said, yes, there are dietitians that specifically, I can't talk today, Mm -hmm. (laughs) specifically, um, work with people with hypothalamic amenorrhea, but, um, I can help them with them with that as well. But most of those women that reach out to me are in the space of trying to conceive on some realm. Yeah, I find I find that really interesting that you bring up that this can actually spark disordered eating. You know, when you start, it's really interesting because in a previous episode, Brooke and I have talked about, I think we were interviewing someone else, and we just chatted about how during our pregnancies, intuitive eating became easier Mm -hmm. because we were doing it for someone else. Like in our head, even though we were already intuitive eaters, at that point when we got pregnant, we almost let go of more food rules more easily because we were then doing it for this little tiny baby we were growing and almost that same mindset, but flipped in reverse of if you're struggling with infertility, you have an added packed layer of stress. And then you start to see all this Google information and terrifying information, or even dietitians spitting this information that you have to be really rigid was the word that you use that I loved really strict about your diet. And then you start to do it almost in a severe way because you think it's for someone else, your future baby. I mean, honestly, what other reason in this world do women get that emotionally tied into what they're doing to their body during that time of either infertility or pregnancy? And so you think it's it's giving you this hope and this dream of getting a baby if you stick to these rules. Well, of course, I think any of us who you know hope to be pregnant would probably fall into that disordered pattern easily, like hands down, no questions asked, we would do that to get pregnant, right? I mean, that is so much stress on a human. Well, and you know, you hear all the time, go on vacation, just like stop stressing. And Mm -hmm. then the thing with stress is when you have stress around food and eating, and then you pile on guilt and shame, like if you don't follow the specific diet recommendations, now you have guilt and shame that just adds to your stress. And that's not helping you mentally or physically. And that's not helping you get pregnant. Just having that anxiety and stress over every single thing having to be perfect. And so I think that that's so amazing that there are intuitive eating dietitians out there who specialize with this because again, you know, nutrition wise tips and advice to give people to help them. Hey, find a prenatal with this, you know, make sure you're taking the supplement. There are easy things that we can do to our diet and add to our diet, but it sounds like you're not taking away foods. And I think that that's so important because 
there's so many dietitians out there who are just like, oh yeah, cut this and this and this, and you're going to get pregnant. And that's not how that works. You can't guarantee what somebody's body's going to do, which ties into intuitive eating with weight loss. People try to use intuitive eating for weight loss too. And it's like, that what you, you might lose weight. You might gain weight. We don't know what that's going to do to you. And same with what you're doing is you're doing your best to help them get pregnant, but you're not in their body and you can't guarantee that they'll get pregnant. However, you're giving them that best chance without hopefully the added stress and guilt, you know, and shame around eating. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what I'm going for. And I think, I mean, so like, so many people and women will reach out to me and say that they feel guilty when they eat certain foods. And I'm like, and the first thing I do is I tell them you don't have to, because it, it, that's just, that's, there's no place for guilt on this. And I, exactly what you're saying too, about the stress piece of it is there are plenty of other things to be stressed about. I mean, I could list you tons of things to be stressed about when it comes to infertility, but food is not one of them. Um, it's just adding to that stress and the more stressed you are, the, the worse it is essentially for your fertility, because it, it's just making it harder for your body to reproduce. And again, it, you know, and I think the message that I try to get across too, is I'm not saying like, stop stressing and you'll get pregnant, like, you know, but decreasing your stress is going to help. I mean, there's, we know that when you have high levels of stress, it messes with your hormones that you need for reproduction. So Mm -hmm. if we can find a way to remove some of that stress, we cannot remove all the stress around infertility, but we can definitely cut back on worrying so much about food. That is for sure. Yeah, I think like for a very visual person like myself and a very type A, as most dietitians are human, when I think of it, you know, a good way to kind of visualize it is saying, okay, if me trying to eat quote unquote perfect um, to get my fertility back in balance or to start ovulating or to just reproduce is causing me X amount of stress. If we could put weight in that and say, this is how much weight that stress is carrying versus that perfect diet that maybe you can achieve, which likely you cannot perfectly, but let's say that you can, what what really is the amount or the weight of that benefit to be able to outweigh the stress that it's causing on your body and the damage that stress is doing? And I think all of us would likely say, not enough. Right. Even if you had the perfect diet, which most of us cannot obtain, but even if you had that perfect diet, it's not going to outweigh the damage that that stress is doing. So I guess I would love for you to talk a little bit more about how you use intuitive eating in your practice with your clients so that they can probably I'm assuming the first step is honestly them dropping the fear of going after that perfect diet and feeling like every month they eat extra carbs or whatever it is is another month they're not going to get pregnant. So how do you kind of transition out from that fear-based um, or making choices out of fear to making choices out of what's best for your body in this moment? So usually the first step is just talking about what are all the, like, what are all the food rules that you've kind of imposed on yourself or that you've read about, whether they were on Google or through a book or something like that, talking about what are the food rules and then how do we start breaking them? and getting at least back to just eating regular meals and snacks. Um, That's usually, which is kind of aligns with um, like getting rid of the food police and those kind of first steps of intuitive eating. 
So kind of first getting rid of in a way with that. And then it, from there, of course, it's all individualized. It depends on where people are at. It's some people are very, here's the, and this is the weird thing, maybe not weird thing, but this is just the thing about infertility and fertility in general. And you guys know this just probably from trying to conceive is it's that once you're trying to have a baby, like you are super aware of what's going on with your body, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yes. Oh my gosh. It's like creepy how much you know about your body. Yeah. Yeah. But you're like super aware about what's going on with like your reproductive organs. And like, and then for a lot of people, if they have been like doing like fertility treatments, things like that, I mean, their awareness of any sort of symptom that they feel, I mean, that could be related to pregnancy, that could be related to medication, you know, all sorts of things, but they're super aware of that, but we're also usually ignoring, or maybe if we're trying to follow some sort of diet, we're probably not um, listening to like hunger and fullness signals or thinking using more of what should I eat or what shouldn't I eat versus like how much, like, or what sounds good at this point in time. And am I full? Do it. When's the next time, you know, using more of those body cues. So once we kind of break through those rules and then we talk a little bit more about how do we start listening to other parts of our body besides our reproductive organs? Um, that kind of gives us a little bit more leverage. And usually as we're kind of going through this process, a lot of times people we're talking about what are the myths because every day people are coming across them in social media. Um, it's, it's just, it's just a, like weight loss diet culture. It's the same kind of things, um, which is, crazy, but I mean, people have turned things like keto into the fertility diet. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely, which is so terrifying, you know, really it's terrifying. It's very, it's sad. It's really sad because people are trying to make money off these women who are going through something I, I would think is probably one of the hardest things people have to go through. My husband and I actually struggled for a year to get pregnant with our daughter. So it was a long time and that is a very hard battle to continue to fight month after month. And then honestly, anytime someone were to post something, you get to such, and I'm speaking from my experience, but you do get to such a point of almost desperation in a way that you're grasping at anything. And you see a random post about a vitamin or a recipe or whatever, and you're desperate to try something and you're like, well, maybe this is the one thing that's going to lock it all together. And this is going to be the month. And just because I decided to do 15 jumping jacks and spin around in five circles before we had sex, we're going to get pregnant. And it's like, it's so ridiculous to look at, but you do get in that state. I mean, Mm -hmm. growing your family is nothing to scoff at. That is something that if you want it, that's what you're going after. And so to, um, basically prey on these women who are looking for anything and sell them either false nutrition advice or diet pills, diet plans, whatever is out there is really disheartening to see. And I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen a ton of it through your clients as well. Yeah. And I was going to say too, you know, if the thing that's hard is let's say you're trying to conceive at the same time. So like, for instance, Alyssa and I, and two of our coworkers, like we were all trying to conceive at the same time. And so we're all having these discussions about prenatals and all of these things. But the the crazy thing is, let's say one of us did jump on a diet bandwagon and one of us just happened to get pregnant that month. Nothing to do with that. Just like 
it just naturally happened that month. Now, so-and-so thinks, oh my gosh, I have to do that. That worked for her. She got pregnant. It's going to work for me. And we, we have to remember just like intuitive eating, our bodies are all different. And so while a restrictive diet, Hey, maybe, it, maybe it did help somebody, or maybe they just got pregnant that month because sometimes you just get pregnant. And again, you know, <laughs> sometimes like you just get sometimes pregnant. you just, you make a baby and, and you know, it is sad because other women see that it gives them hope that that's their answer. And even though that could have nothing to do with the fact that they got pregnant, you know, maybe that vitamin that they took had nothing to do with it. Maybe it did, but you know, it's just, it's hard. It's disheartening to see that when you see something working for somebody else and you're like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is it. Like it's going to work for me. And then it doesn't because again, we all have different bodies and you know, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, I didn't, it didn't take me that long to get pregnant with my son. And so I can't really relate to this, but it's, I just, I know how stressful it is to try to get pregnant. And I was on the journey for two months, you know, three months. And I just, I can't imagine going through this long-term. So I really sympathize for people going through this and you never know. I mean, you could get pregnant the first time super easily and then struggle. And then I know Mm -hmm. people that have gotten, um, they struggled like, okay, for my in-laws, for instance, they struggled for years, I think five, six, seven years to get pregnant with my sister-in-law. And then when she was six months old, bam, got pregnant with my husband. And so, you know, it's like, you just, you never know. Every pregnancy is so different. It, it literally makes no sense to me. And I literally have a hard time, like, grasping how it actually works. <laughs> I know. Like, and that's someone who's like, interested in the science and going, you guys, we are the nutrition professionals. We're constantly doing research. We're researching the human body. We've done all the anatomy and physiology. And we're telling you that the research is not there. They don't know. They don't know you guys. And so to, if someone's telling you, they know they're lying to you. Okay. Let's just flatten because that out. Right everybody now. would be pregnant. Right. Exactly. Right. You yes. know, and it's like there are these or people who didn't want to be pregnant wouldn't be pregnant. Right. There wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be there wouldn't be infertility. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's so true. And I mean, even the very expensive fertility treatments, like none of them are a hundred percent, you know? No. Like Mm-mm. you're still you're not guaranteed. There's still like fifty percent. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. So when Sorry, I was going to circle back because I I loved what you said about making sure you're eating enough. I think that's a really important key factor because when women go down this um, rabbit hole and quick side note, really quick, if you're searching on Instagram or Google or any place where you can search things about infertility and nutrition, you're not crazy. Google and Instagram is going to show you more and more and more and more things related to that topic. So that's how their algorithms work. And I just want to point that out because people sometimes can feel bombarded with this information, which is really overwhelming. You kind of like start down a rabbit hole and then all of a sudden you're like sunk knee deep into it and then it's over your head. And that's because you searched it one little time, maybe not even on the phone you're using anymore, which is just Mm -hmm. scary. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about what you touched on before um, of making sure you're eating enough. Is that something you see commonly with these women that come to you for help? I think it, it, it depends on where they're at, but I've definitely seen women that, 
and this is a whole nother topic we could do an entire podcast on, but um, the women that are told that their BMI is too high and they either, um, that's why they're not conceiving or they won't give them a referral to a reproductive endocrinologist until they lose X amount of weight to get their BMI to whatever this desirable BMI is that they've made up. Um, so us, and so they're, you know, so then it's like this battle of, well, I want the referral or I want, or they won't give them a certain medication or things like that until they get to a certain point. And oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, that yeah. is. It's like, it's kind why of just, yeah, my, oh, yeah, you're right. Whole, <laughs> whole other topic that BMI. Yeah, it's a whole nother, it, it is a whole nother thing. But so anyways, when they're told this, it's like this battle of, okay, well, but I need to lose weight. So a lot of times people just think, well, if I just eat less, then I'll lose weight. And so then it turns into this eating less and people eating less than 1500 calories a day, which we all know is not enough. Um, you need way more than that. And if so if they're not eating enough and the way I kind of frame it to people is just, if you're not eating enough, your body's just kind of going to do its basic functions, what it needs to do sur- to survive. Mm-hmm. And when it really comes down to it, your reproductive organs are not essential for you to live every day. So mm-hmm. if it just needs to breathe and keep blood moving, like then it's going to just do those basic functions. It's not going to give any energy to your reproductive organs. So, and it's not sending these signals like, Hey, it's a great time to make a baby. No, it's like, no way. We're in like a famine. We, we need to survive as long as possible. So I always want to make sure that people are eating enough and because so many people are under eating because as women, I think that's just like what we're ingrained to think is like, we shouldn't eat a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we're, when we're, um, restricting that causes stress on the body and then yes, you're totally right. I mean, those organs are not going to be functioning properly. Exactly. And it's kind of the same thing where even if people are eating enough, if they're really restricting carbs, you're not. Mm -hmm. So if you're forcing, you know, kind of forcing your body to do ketosis in order to, which is what a lot of people, which is why I get so scared about keto diet, but um, what, which is what they're forcing their body to do in order to make the energy that it needs to survive. Again, that's not going to be a time when your body's like, yeah, let's make a baby. And, what? you know, I, I've been in keto fertility Facebook, Facebook groups and people are commenting in there how they lose their period when they go on the keto diet. And, and you're like, you need your period <laughs> to make right. a baby. And, and like the scary uh. thing about it is like people are commenting back and saying, well, this is normal and just stick with it. It'll get better. And like, that is scary. Yeah. Like, okay. I feel like you just dropped some like really mind blowing information and like having these women process it right now who are following along that a, if you're not eating enough, you're not feeding your reproductive organs because they're not life-saving needed organs to function. Like that in it of itself is such an important reason to nourish your body. But then going into the place of, like you said, actually kicking into ketosis, not only like you said, will you start possibly losing your period, which gosh, horrible on so many levels because a, you might think you're pregnant 
Oh, oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Then you're, oh my gosh, this is great. I don't have my period. I'm pregnant. No, you're just screwing up your body. Which is heartbreaking. Oh, I mean, I remember yes. taking those tests and it was negative and it was heart wrenching, day ruining, week ruining, you know, honestly. But then you turn around and just for a second, let's think that if you do go on one of these restrictive diets and you happen to get pregnant that month, regardless of whether or not it's the diet's reason, but then before you know you're pregnant is a two-week wait, right? Two-week wait. Um, <laughs> you are growing a human child inside your body while you're trying to kick your body into ketosis or doing intermittent fasting or literally in, like you said, a famine state in your body. That I mean, really... That's heartbreaking yeah. to think that yeah. that's how your and baby's starting and, out their life in your bed in your body. Yeah, and that's a critical two weeks. I mean, we all know Absolutely. that, right? Like that's so critical. So many people have chemical pregnancies where I mean, they don't even know that they actually got pregnant, or you know, mm. they just get pregnant and miscarry super early. Yeah, it's a critical time when getting enough nutrition. Not that you need to be stressed about it, but just right. getting enough nutrition regardless of what it is, is important. Well, and I mean, we've talked before, we had the prenatal nutritionist on as well. And we talked about those first few weeks, how formative they are. And um, I'm pretty sure most of us know how important like folate is and those things in those first few weeks, even before you know you're pregnant. And those foods, you guys can come from grains. And so if you're going on a keto diet or intermittent fasting, and you're not able to get enough, enough of those foods in, your baby is missing out on those vital nutrients to survive, but also thrive and avoid any health complications. I mean, this is really powerful stuff that, that we're talking about here. That's, that's really emotional to think about and let that kind of settle in. Yeah. And I think too, you know, if, if you're listening to this and now you're pregnant or now you have a baby and you were restricting and you still got pregnant, you know, don't feel guilt. Don't feel shame about it. Just learn from it so that if you ever want to get pregnant again, you know, and again, like babies, once they're, you know, embedded in there, you know, they are pretty, pretty stable and pretty strong. Obviously there's still a huge percentage of miscarriage, but you know, if you did miscarry and you were restricting a little bit, that doesn't necessarily mean that you caused that. And so also keep that in mind because I know there's so much guilt around miscarriage and, you know, it, they happen, they happen to like, I think it's 30% of pregnancies. And so just keep in mind, if you, you know, have gotten pregnant and you were restricting and you miscarried, it's not your fault. And if you are planning to get pregnant again, just know for the future that we really need to be eating enough. And, you know, if you can take a prenatal, there are just things that we should be trying to do if we're trying to get pregnant. But again, a lot of pregnancies are unplanned. So <laughs> we just got to do the best we can, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction, Brooke. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and then I think we've talked, so obviously there's a lot of people out there preaching restriction and um, cutting back, losing weight, um, obviously taking out full, whole food groups. So you're not like that. So let's talk about what you do do. So tell us kind of do -do. more about <laughs> Chandler Bing. <laughs> I always think of him every time I say do do. <laughs> um, but we'd love to hear more about what makes you different than all those other people out there. Absolutely. So, um, I never tell anyone to eliminate any sort of foods or any food groups for a lot of reasons that, you know, it, it's just not a healthy approach to food. It gives you a skewed view on your relationship with food and it can put you at higher risk for eating disorders. But 
the thing that we always talk about when I'm working with my clients is approaching nutrition in a gentle way, which is part of our intuitive eating framework, right? Um, it's like the 10th principle, I think, right? Nine or 10. Yep. It's towards mm-hmm. the end. And there's a yep. reason for that. There's a reason why it's towards the end. So when I get to a point with a client that we're comfortable talking about fertility nutrition, I approach it in a way that's gentle. So we're talking a lot about what can you add in to what you're eating that's going to support your fertility and figuring out like what foods that you like. You know, one of the things that we all know is that fruits and vegetables have a lot of vitamins, minerals, fiber, like that is totally supporting your fertility. It's giving you a lot of those minerals that you need. Um, but how do we figure out, like, maybe you don't like vegetables or, you know, so it's figuring out how can you actually enjoy the food that Mm -hmm. you're eating. It doesn't have to be food that you don't like. Um, you, if you don't like something, you could find something else. So it's finding this balance is kind of the term that I like to use to describe it. Finding a balance with including foods that are going to support your fertility, but also knowing those are not the only foods that you're ever going to eat. So you don't just eat foods that support your fertility. You're going to eat other foods too. And that doesn't make it right or wrong, good or bad. That is literally just how it is. And that's how you find that balance. Because um, the biggest thing that I teach my clients is no one food is going to negatively impact your fertility. That's I it's love that. not going to happen. Like you're not going to eat a bowl of ice cream and that's why you didn't get pregnant this month. Mm-hmm. Like, that is that's not really true. powerful. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And I think, you know, in general, for those of you listening, if you're thinking about working with a dietitian, try to find one who is not preaching restriction, try to find one who is preaching. Here's what we can add into your diet. And Alyssa and I talk about that all the time is there's a red flag. If somebody's telling you, you need to restrict this, this, and this, that's a red flag. Again, if you have an allergy or something that's different, but, um, I think it is so vital to try to work with a dietitian who is telling you, here's what we can add. Here's what we can add instead of telling you what to take away. And so that's great that I like what you just said too, is one food is not going to ruin your fertility. And, and that's so important for people to hear. Yeah. And I just think when you're, when you're in like that mindset of trying to like perfect what you're eating to get pregnant, it's so easy to think that, oh shoot, I ate X, Y, and Z. And that, and that's why I didn't get pregnant this month. And it's just not true. Mm-hmm. And how stress relieving too, to just let us all off the hook like that and just be like, <laughs> take a deep breath. And maybe everyone who's listening, let's all just take a deep breath together and know that these choices that you're making are not live and die pregnant, not pregnant. It's all about tuning into your body and trusting that your body will tell you what it needs, right? I mean, whether that's eating enough or choosing, you know, the foods that are going to support and nourish you, we all truly believe that your body has the capability to tell you that. And when you honor those needs, that's where you can find that peace and comfort in your own body, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a huge part of kind of like the why and the reason why I developed or decided that I wanted to work with other people struggling with infertility is to teach them not only how to listen to their bodies, but just to like respect them and understand that like, yeah, like infertility like totally sucks. And it, I mean, there's no other way to describe it other than that. But you can, you can still listen to your body and you can still give it what it needs without 
treating it like it's like this baby making machine, which is what it turns into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And on that kind of note, and I love the way you put that, but talking more about what we can add. So maybe giving our listeners a few things that they can do right now today, if they're on this journey, and they're feeling like, you know what, right, you're right, I need to be making sure I'm eating enough, I need to stop restricting or cutting out food groups. And maybe what are some things that you do generally recommend adding to someone's diet? Um, And obviously across the board, it's going to be different for each person. But um, can you give us some of those ideas that are a great thing to include in your fertility diet? Absolutely. A few things that you can always easily add in are things like ground flaxseed. That's something you can throw into oatmeal, smoothies. You can make it into a muffin, lots of different ways you can add that in. Um, another thing that I recommend a lot is like different seeds, like pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds, things like, um, or nuts that you could add on. same kind of thing. You could add that onto a salad. You could add that onto oatmeal. You can mix that in with, um, fruit, those kind of things. And then honestly, like really just eating fruits and vegetables. It sounds so cliche because we hear that everywhere, but Um, maybe if you're not like a huge fruits and vegetables person, or maybe you've kind of always thought about fruits and vegetables, like you only eat them when you're on a diet kind of thing. Um, try to explore and find ones that you like. So maybe try some new ones, something like that, that would help you kind of expand and give you a little bit more options. Yeah, I love that. I love that and how easy it is. You know, it's like, it's so easy to make these decisions on what to add to our diet and so incredibly stressful and hard to start thinking about what to restrict or take out. I know I could never follow a diet like that. And um, there's no reason why you should have to. So anything else you'd kind of like to touch on here before we kind of wrap it up and um, maybe to letting people know where they can find you on Instagram and um, if they want to work with you, where to do that as well. Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at infertility.nutritionist. And that is the main platform where I post all my content. So if you're just looking for some good information, there's a lot of content on there. And then my website is simplejoyfulnutrition.com. And that has more information about my services. But right now, um, what I do offer is one-on-one coaching services that to help women struggling with infertility learn how to eat to support their fertility without using diets and avoiding this restriction that we've been talking about today. So if that kind of sounds like something that would be helpful for you, definitely either reach out to me. Actually, if you find me on Instagram, my link in bio will send you to my application process and you can schedule a discovery call. And that's just a complimentary call where we kind of get to know any of one another and, um, I kind of tell you a little bit more about my program and we talk about your individual situation because as we were talking about today, a lot of this is individualized. So I don't treat every person the same um, because we're all on a little bit of a different journey. And I think that's pretty much it. 
I love that. Thank you so much for coming on today. I know our listeners got a ton out of this. I know I did as well. Brooke and I are always talking about how our specialties as dietitians, yes, we're all dietitians, but we all have an area we specialize in. So we love having people on like you that can give us some really great tangible information to walk away with today and some hope, right? Some hope that things don't have to be um, how we thought they had to be. And um, I think that's really encouraging. So thank you so much for sharing with us and coming on today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me again. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. We had such a blast talking to Susan all about infertility and nutrition and what she can do for you. I just think that was such a great episode and brought light to so many interesting topics around intuitive eating and how it can really help in all areas of your life. Yeah. So we love you, Susan. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and talking about a topic that we are not professionals in. So we love learning from you. And just a quick reminder, we have a link in our bio. And in that link, there is a three-minute survey. Just filling that out helps us get content ideas for you to make sure that we are giving you the best content that you are wanting and different podcast episode ideas for us. And also below, you guys will find a link to join our email list. And we've been sending out some awesome content for you guys at least monthly. You'll find little surprises in your inbox. Like last month, Brooke actually sent out an awesome recipe booklet that we created together, giving you at least, I think it was five or maybe even six recipes that we love and use in our homes regularly. So if you're interested in content like that, make sure to subscribe to our email list. All right, guys. Thanks so much, Diet Riders, for tuning in. We will see you next Tuesday.